Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here. We are into the fantasy semifinal week, and that means just two games left at best for your dynasty teams. Maybe one, maybe zero at this point in time. We start to filter people out, even with toilet bowls this time of year. And we've got a few players we're going to focus on this week, uh, finishing out. And Katie, um, I, I think week fifth, week 15 was one that uh, you heard a lot of people complaining about injuries or shortened games. I'm looking at you, Jonathan Taylor. We're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor this week. But, you know, for for those of us that are in more than two or three leagues, we just know that's the way of the world. And it's sort of a portfolio feel with our teams. But yet people with one or two teams, Jonathan Taylor, early exit, you lose by five points. I can surely see how they connect the dots and feel that it's a one-on-one connective. This is why I lost scenario. But it's really a small sample size issue because we're talking about one game, one week, one player, and one outcome. You know that that you're focused on. Yeah, the thing is, you got to ask yourself: don't be an outcome based uh, reactionary to what happened. Ten out of ten times, would you start Jonathan Taylor? Yes, you would. So you didn't do the wrong thing. Just luck. That's the way fantasy football bounces. And you cannot react to it and make a big adjustment the next time. Oh, well, you know, maybe because he was already injured previously this year and he was still banged up a little bit. But a stud is a stud. You play your studs, especially in the playoffs. And so be it. That's what happens. And I think I think all of us can tolerate Huh. I, I think all of us can tolerate a little more the the dud game. But what is tough is I think the way it was his first exit, I mean sorry, his first touch, uh the second or third snap of the game, and then he's gone. And one thing that our mutual friend Jordan McNamara brought up is that, you know, this is if you want to point to just the most recent and right in front of your face reason to do absolutely everything in your power to have a buy, that would be the reason. Because at best, you're a 60-40 favorite in a game like this and an early exit or all of a sudden you go ice cold. I had a couple of these teams that it's I think my tight end plus all my wide receivers, zero touchdowns. Well, that's a tough way to live. I mean, that is going to be tough to advance and overcome with the rest of your roster. Touchdowns drive scoring. And you know that or an early exit from Jonathan Taylor or all these twists and turns, that, that is the, the bounce of the oblong ball in a one-off uh, head-to-head scenario and and frankly just to shout out um, a, a league that we're in together you know w- w- you, there are plenty of ways to mitigate some of this stuff like we have one that incorporates uh, your points per game on the season 
that that's part of the all player total points race in the in the the title and the, the championship bracket. Uh, you can play. You can even format it so that you have. Uh, double headers. You can do it to where uh, you're not playing head to head. You're playing, you know, four four teams, top two scores advance. There's a lot of ways to do it that isn't strictly I'm playing Katie and one of us advances. Uh, you know, in our head to head lineup based uh, lineup based format. So, if this is really a uh, something that undermines a lot of people's uh, thoughts and and taste in their mouth following this season, make a mental note and bring it up and. Things can change in an existing dynasty league, a future one that you join, uh, bringing it up, having a conversation, having a dialogue and finding like-minded people can mean change or can mean uh, formats that aren't considered traditional, but yet you play them and enjoy them. And we lament guys like Jonathan Taylor that we rely so heavily upon and he gets hurt in the very first play and scores two points or whatever it was fantasy wise. But nobody says anything about the Zay Jones putting up 34 points or <laughs> CJ Ozoma. He won me my week. You know, it, just as much as your studs have dud weeks, you got flyers that you have to kind of hope and pin your playoff hopes on because either injuries or whatever the other case may be, you take your best shot each time. And then just don't lose, lose sleep over it. It's all about. Uh, there's a book, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, Scott Connor turned me on to it a couple years ago by Annie Duke. She was a professional poker player, and it's called Thinking in Bets. I recommend it to anybody. It's on Audible if you just want to listen to a book, but it's a very good book, and it puts things in perspective. Like, how many times have you ever run a red light? Should you run a red light? No. Is there danger in running a red light? Heck yeah. And just because you're safe 10 out of 10 times doesn't make it a wise decision to do it the 11th time. You should know better than to run a red light. You're taking a risk. So it's the same thing in fantasy football. You live and die by the big games, small games. The aggregate of it is just do your best to put out the best lineup. You made the playoffs. That's great. I know it stinks to not advance. Uh, trust me, but just don't go out and trade Jonathan Taylor because you're so angry that he got injured or whatever the case may be. Yeah, the riding off players uh, is a big one. And, uh, you know, the thinking in bets, I, I think, is a good one because uh, I've said before, the big weeks help you more than the bad weeks hurt you. You know, that's a common phrase that I talk all the time about because and I say it about the tight end position, you know, a guy that has two catches for 15 yards. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter at all, but it doesn't matter as much as you think at the tight end position because the odds of the guy playing against you scoring 15, 20 points, and it's like, oh, wow, I was minus 13 points at the tight end position. And I lost the matchup by 17. And that was a major driving factor. That's not real. That, that's not brass tacks of what typically happens. It, but, uh, you, you know, you take the upside of Jonathan Taylor. Look what happened in that game. Th that We saw Zach Moss and Deion Jackson end up with 30-plus carries uh, combined. So that's one that... Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, Jonathan Taylor was scored 20 plus. And I think what you said, which is the taste in your mouth at the end of the season, you know, don't let that shade you into what you think of them going forward. And I guess that would be in my, my final question for you is, you know, what will you remember about this season for Jonathan Taylor? You know, he's now three years into his career and uh, he was coming off a, a number one overall running back finish. Here he is finishing in the, he'll probably be in adjusted points per game somewhere in the 15 to 20 range for this year. And now going into 
uh, 24 year old season, you know, what, what's kind of your state of the union on Jonathan Taylor? Well, again, I, I think he's a very good young stud running back. He can do it all one healthy. Uh, he didn't have quite the season that we had hoped. And a lot of that was due to injury. And I think the coaching change a little bit to a certain extent. Uh, but like a lot of people soured on Todd Gurley after he had one bad year and yes, he had prior injuries that led to the arthritis that then shortened his career. I I still don't think that you just cavalier, just throw Jonathan Taylor out with the bathwater and, and trade him, uh, you know, I think you got to hold on to him. Yeah, these are, I mean, his his blueprint here for uh, his career start. Uh, one thing I looked for is three, uh, if you started your career, three top 24 finishes, obviously he has two that are top 10. So he more than qualifies in this. But if you look at those career starts, plus in that span, having a number one overall finish like he does, the whole list is Le'Veon Bell, Chris Johnson, Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, as you mentioned, and Jonathan Taylor. And those guys... Um, averaged 2.75 and counting with Christian McCaffrey still accruing um, 2.75 top 24 seasons to come. All of them had at least one more top four finish. So you're giving up again, a guy firmly in the middle of his prime that has shown unequivocally. He can be a workhorse in college in the NFL. And you're going to banish a guy for still being a guy that you started all the time this year. He played 11 games, missed three, but still had about a thousand total yards, four just four touchdowns. So that's a big driver as well. You get the the low touchdown rate, and that that I mean, you you double that to a, a probably a typical number for him, and all of a sudden he's probably up into the top ten. So uh, yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor, while he may be uh, by optics slipping, he's not going to slip very far. There's a lot of question marks, and there's a lot of age at the running back position. So be careful about oh yeah, I just, I'm just going to flip him to, you know, some lower running back and a pick. Like, be very careful because Jonathan Taylor has the profile that is one that you should be banking on for the next two, three years and and through his prime here. And I think that some people could even make the mistake. They hear about the 23 class and how strong it is at running back, unless it's a top half pick. And even then, I still wouldn't trade necessarily straight up uh, for Jonathan Taylor. But I bet you... If you had a later first round pick, you might even be able to tempt the Jonathan Taylor owner into trading for your 23 first. And what a bargain, uh, in in my opinion, even though I love the 23 class and I've been touting it, I still think that would be a bargain if you were able to get Jonathan Taylor for a mid to late 23 first. Yeah. One trade I saw that stood out that this is the exact thing not to do, the, the construction of a trade, which is Taylor for Javante Williams and a 23 second. And yeah. you just can't take on that risk for a guy that we really have never seen it. Going back to college, in the pros, he's never been the guy in Javante Williams, and you're not even getting a first on top. You're not even getting you know, another solid, stable, like, oh, it's a legit two for one. It's essentially Javante Williams and a little bit of juice for, for Taylor be very careful. Um, but again, on the opposite side, if you can potentially buy, and that's profile hunting at you know 1.0 level of, of doing a deal like that. Um, next player we're going to discuss is Trevor Lawrence. Um, talk about 
uh, needing a year to uptick, certainly had that potential. Everything went wrong in 2021. And over the last, especially last half of this season, everything's going right for Mr. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, because he didn't come right out the gate and be the god that everybody thought he was going to, they were like, oh, this guy is nothing. He's nothing. It took, you know, it takes rookie quarterbacks a while to adapt to the speed of the NFL game. The pockets aren't as big. The windows for throwing the ball in there aren't as big. You're learning a whole new offense. Basically, you're learning a whole new language, and it could be Greek. As much as you play football, learning somebody else's offense and just the nuances that go along with that so that you can play the game without even thinking. That's what you need to get to is when you know the playbook so well, you know your teammates, where it then your instinct takes over. And that's what we're starting to see with this young man. And I'm excited for it because, you know, right now he's – QB six on the year, if you look at average fantasy points per game, depending on the scoring system that you've got, but that's not too shabby. And that's right where we expected him to be. I'd say he's on target. Oh yeah. And I have to remind people that you mentioned the fast start assumptions, like the one Oh one drafted quarterbacks in the NFL, they average QB 24 in year one. So Lawrence was below that last year. But let's not pretend like everyone walks in and they're all of a sudden an auto play in one quarterback or even a solid play in Superflex in year one. That's not the case. A lot of slow starters, and yet so many in year two and year three come around. So I would say Trevor Lawrence is on par. Uh, I would I'm looking here and I I mean it's about 50-50 on when that first top six season occurs. Is it year two? Is it year three? But generally that's when the light comes on. And I think one underrated factor here is Let's not remember 101 teams drafting there typically stink. That's why they're there. Yes. So and there's gonna, not going to be much around him. And last he had a year, whole new coaching change, everything. Right. I mean, right. The yeah. Doug Peterson versus Urban Meyer factor, A, is huge. He's doing a lot to help the quarterback. Doug Peterson is. Uh, yeah. They added weapons this year. You can disparage Christian Kirk or Zay Jones or Marvin Jones or all these guys or Evan Ingram. These are all notable additions that. He was dealing with sticks being rubbed together last year in a bad offense, bad coaching, bad environment, and yet still he was in there battling, not you know in any successful fashion. This year, all that changes. And how about Calvin Ridley added for next year? How about, I bet they add one more weapon. They might lose Evan Ingram, so maybe they add a tight end, a different tight end. Um, but I think those are notable additions. Um, what I love is he adds the rushing, 15, 20 yards a game, chance for a touchdown, you know, every two or three weeks, something like that. But he wins from the pocket. Like, like I, I listen to NFL shows and they always talk about how he does the hard stuff. Well, like he does the 15 yard deep ends and outs and, you know, these, po- these hole throws, like he, like, it's just, he needs to do more of the easy button stuff. And once he does that, like we're seeing Mahomes, he used to do all the, the difficult stuff. And now we're seeing him do, it almost looks lazy when he does it because he's just like, oh, I'll take the check down. Oh, I'll take this little chip, you know, this little six yarder hitch to Travis Kelsey, let him do some work. It doesn't all have to be hard stuff. You can still do that. There's going to be times. But I think we're seeing Lawrence, that light come on about seeing the thing he's doing well, but he's eliminating a lot of the suck stuff. Last six games, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions, huge uptick. And his touchdown interception rate ratio this year, you mentioned QB six or so, um, again, light coming on and 
this puts him on track. Like we actually got an offer and of course it's super timely. You know, we got an offer in one of our leagues yeah. to trade Lawrence away. And he's just one of those rising Phoenix players. Like, don't be like, I, it, it's not impossible that within 12 months, who knows where it's going to go in the off season? Cause things get nutty in the off season. But I mean, he could be right in that discussion of the top three or four dynasty quarterbacks right there. If he's not there right now, I mean, I don't have a good, it's hard in December to have a good uh, sense of the pulse here. But he's on that track. He's on that track to have, you know, I think a lot of people view him as more physical upside or maybe more general upside than Joe Burrow per se. And, you know, Dak Prescott, depending on how you feel about him and Watson and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. I mean, those are pretty much the guys outside of the big three. And Herbert hasn't had a great year. We may see Trevor Lawrence in some of these startup drafts go as QB3. That's within the realm of possibility, uh, depending on how he finishes this season. I don't disagree with you. And it was funny because when I asked you your thoughts on the trade, I already had my own uh, thoughts and I was against it, but I wanted to hear your thoughts first. I didn't want to taint or spoil your thoughts. And we were lockstep. We were both in the same exact boat. So it's nice. Well, I think you have to be careful with a rising player, right? And not just a rising player with a profile that maybe you have some concern about. But Lawrence, when he's drafted 101, you throw out year one entirely for a number of factors. And you say, look what he's doing now. And I just mentioned how there's some question marks in the middle QB1 zone of Dynasty. And so why can't Lawrence be up there? Why can't Lawrence be on that track of saying he's right there with Herbert or past Herbert or there with Mahomes within a year or two? Like all this stuff is in play. And if you trade that now, you better basically get, you always say all the time, like you better get that kind of price and bake it in because what if you're wrong? Meaning, I mean, you have to get some juice on what you're acquiring because if you trade that sort of profile away and he hits all the way, then, I mean, that is something that is, it's not untouchable, but it's something very hard to replicate in another future dynasty trade to get it back. Absolutely. All right. uh, Last player we're going to discuss this week, Christian Watson. Um, Talk about, you know, getting healthy and and putting up big numbers in a hurry for a now healthy Green Bay offense. We'll see. They're playing better than they were earlier. But Watson, the touchdown maker, and he's a pretty interesting one because I wasn't the biggest fan of his coming out of college. And I'm still a little skeptical, but the more I've done research for the 2023 plus UTH player values and, you know, looking ahead, getting into off season mode of, um, uh, of that dynasty valuation, he comes up really good. And he's going to be one I'm sure is white hot for trading and white hot for startup drafts with people, you know, looking to get as young as humanly possible with their, with their wide receivers and their core assets and all this. Um, but, but what's your thoughts kind of checking in now, most of the way through the season with Mr. Christian Watson? I honestly think he's a sell high right now, but you've got to sell high. Uh, You know, a lot of people think, well, I'll just, uh, you know, since I got a good deal on him, I can afford to give him away. It's like, man, unless unless you're going to get a cherry deal, there's no way I would I would still hang on to him. Uh, I think he's got potential, but I'm still I'm still remembering those senior bowl practices where the ball was hitting his hand and it was like hitting a brick wall. He doesn't have natural soft hands. Now, can you work on the jugs machine and work on your receiving? Absolutely. You can. It's still not going to make you a natural hands catcher. Is he catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, who puts the ball right where it needs to be? 
Yes, he is. What's going to happen when maybe that's Jordan Love next year? That's the big question mark. Um, I think he's as much of, yes, he's very athletic. Yes, he's very raw. I'm still color me skeptical on on the guy overall. Yeah, I think, you know, he certainly flashed early, which has been a big, uh, big factor. He's produced some long touchdowns. Those aren't always predictable or projectable from early to future cast in your career. Um, you mentioned one of the big things, which is if he has Aaron Rodgers next year, that's going to look better in terms of the security factor of his his profile and his situation. I do think between uh, Dobbs and Watson, they're probably not likely to splash huge at the wide receiver position that they want those guys to develop. Both of them have missed time this year. Um, and, you know, a big flashy free agent signing hasn't really been their MO uh, as a franchise. So I think from that standpoint of, are they going to get drafted over over the top with maybe a first round pick? Unlikely. And are they going to get one of the top tier free agents? I think that's also unlikely. So situationally, I feel pretty good about that level of competition for targets. Um, I was actually surprised that, you know, I thought it was a, a big move up. I got him, you know, inside the top 20, which feels rich, but with some of the other profiles declining in that range, uh, again, I don't feel like I'm going to be top of the market. And I see a lot of the market is, you know, mid teens or early in the teens. So I'm probably still at or below uh, the market, which is fine by me. As you said, I think there's, there definitely is some risk there. There's a potential to get it wildly right, you know, but keep in mind, if you have someone at say wide receiver 12 and they don't put up a top 15 or 20 season next year, that's not a good look. Like whether you're doing that in dynasty trading or a dynasty startup draft, that's not really good ROI there. You're getting someone that really blends in. You need to see giant upside with profiles that you, that you value that highly. Not saying they all have to be 28, 29, 30 years old, been there, done that, Devontae Adams types. But I mean, even the young guys, you have to see that explosive upside any given year. And and Watson's shown it for four to six weeks. So just keep that that part in perspective. Yeah, there's been so many guys that have been anointed on the end of the season run, and surely they're going to start off next year and just pick up where they left off, and they're going to be studs from here on out. It's it's written, so so be it. Uh, but that's not how it always happens. You know that. I know that. Alphas. Well, and here's the thing. Ask yourself this quick question, and it sounds simple but it really isn't. Is this guy an alpha wide receiver in the NFL? Because not many, you should really quickly say yes to that. And if you say it depends, then it's really dependent on cost. Not, I mean, you have to rank, you know, if you're ranking or valuing guys, I mean, obviously you have to have someone at wide receiver 20 as opposed to wide receiver 30. I get that. But just when in doubt, you know, have pause with how much you're valuing someone if they're not an absolute been there, done that, or be like, oh, well, that's a profile that we can see being an alpha wide receiver. So be right. careful. That, that would be the main thing. Yep. All right. Uh, last one. And we we dug into the 2023 NFL draft just a little bit, just a uh, just an early storyline or two. But this past week, we got B. John Robinson, uh, one of the crown jewels in Devi Dynasty uh, for quite some time. And he was a third-year player this year. So we obviously eligible for the draft, expected to declare. He did. Um, so I wanted to have a, a quick dialogue about 101s next year. And I'm sure it's going to be one topic commonly discussed, which is 
We're going to talk about, oh, these quarterbacks are going to go really high. Oh, this quarterback's going to go one-on-one in the NFL draft. And then you have B. John Robinson with you know an early or expected round one pedigree coming. He checks a lot of boxes, dare I say all of them, or nearly all of them that you could possibly ask for in terms of if there are bulletproof running back uh, prospect uh, boxes there for for college players going into the NFL, that Bijan Robinson is is one of those blue chippers. So right now it's dreadfully early. Bijan, what's your, what's your overall thought on the stud running back versus quarterback generally high up in superflex drafts? All right, so I'm going to take a walk down uh, mm-hmm. memory lane to the 2018 rookie draft. Oh, no. We had a similar conundrum. We had Saquon Barkley, who went second over NFL draft. Is he the 101 versus Baker Mayfield at quarterback? And a lot of times, Barkley was the pick. And Baker Mayfield, uh, in fact, Nick Chubb oftentimes went second and then Baker Mayfield in the third position, although Baker probably went as many times at the two as Nick Chubb. And that was also Darius Guy's people were still pushing him up the board, even though he fell in the NFL draft quite a bit further. But if you look at Baker Mayfield as a passer and his stats coming out of college, he had more experience. He had an excellent passer rating. He had the average yards per attempt was 12.9, which is unreal 43 touchdowns to six interceptions he had 198.9 passer rating his final year and as an average ended up uh, at Oklahoma averaging 189.4 better stats than CJ Stroud who's a bigger guy uh he's not a a running quarterback but neither is Bryce Young Bryce Young is quite a bit smaller Bryce Young had a worse year this year than he had last year So his numbers have dwindled. Uh, C.J. Stroud is right up there, and he's a bigger guy, 6'3", 215. He's got 176.2 passer rating, 37 touchdowns to six interceptions. But his average yards per attempt, 10.7, that's good. But Baker Mayfield was a lot better. And so my point is, Bijan Robinson's stats in college are very similar to Saquon Barkley in yards per attempt, in total yards, in receiving yards, even in receiving average uh, per play. So let's say Bijan goes in the top five, top 10 of the NFL draft, and CJ Stroud goes in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Bryce Young is right there. I'm taking Bijan Robinson over the quarterbacks, even in Superflex. Because I think he is that stud bell cow type running back uh, that everybody looks for. And we've already said quarterbacks will struggle their first year. They're probably going to go to a bad team. And uh, Bryce Young has a little bit of size question marks, six foot, 194 pounds. And he's not, he's really, a lot of people think of him as a mobile quarterback. He doesn't run, run the ball that much. Uh, not anywhere near as much as Tua did or Jalen Hurts did and in the same system. So I would much rather have Bijan Robinson as of right now, all things considered, over those two guys, especially when you can probably get an Anthony Richardson, maybe four or five, six, seven picks further, especially if Anthony Richardson goes at the very back end of the first round or early second round. Um 
I don't think it's going to be a question. Yeah, uh, I, I think the the two quarterbacks being most discussed, Brees Hall and and uh, Brees Hall, uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. The problem I have, one of the big ones, is neither one is overly mobile, and that really limits you to the number of ways you can be a strong fantasy producer. And so, to me, that's a that's a, a ceiling capper. And one that there really is no ceiling uh, limit on a, a prospect like B. John Robinson. And looking back, I mean, I would say the last few classes, you mentioned Sekouan Barkley and going back to there. I would say uh, Travis Etienne is probably the closest and, and B. John Robinson is better. But what I mean is a lot of the receiving upside, um, a lot of the traits, B. John Robinson is bigger, but um, a lot of the checks every box and you don't really have any questions uh, was was Travis Etienne was the last one. And Rob, Robinson, I mean, he offers, like Brees Hall, we actually saw Brees Hall in the first six weeks before he was hurt, used downfield as a receiver. Uh, and uh, B. John Robinson actually, uh, coming out of college, better receiving profile than Brees Hall. So I think, I mean, this has massive potential. I'm sure some will have B. John Robinson debuting in the top, you know, three, four, five dynasty running backs. And I don't think that's inappropriate. I mean, I think he's that high, that good. Whether he goes top five, top 10, top 15, I don't really care. Um, all that is high enough. You know, it, it's fickle with how the running back uh, fits into the NFL drafting structure. Uh, for the positional value and all that. But you're talking a prototypically sized guy at 21 years old, coming out when he's supposed to, elite rushing, elite receiving. He he passed every single age baseline uh, each of those three years in with flying colors, uh, with receiving market share, with, with rushing, and just no questions across his profile. And uh, really no questions about how he's going to test. He's going to check those boxes as well. So um, yeah, I think you take running back and... Quarterback, I, I think this is the definitely feels like a year to say uh, of playing a little more arbitrage of, as you mentioned, like what's the price? What's the price point on uh, Stroud versus is it one round later is Anthony Richardson or like how many, you know, what's the drop off? Well, who can I get in round two? How far are these guys dropping that are also in the class? And or just saying, you know, we know the slow start is coming or why don't I just, I always say this. I mean, just if you're thinking of drafting a rookie quarterback, always consider the pivots of, well, what if I just trade 106 for an existing quarterback? What can I get? You know exactly. what I mean? Like people always think, oh, well, I need quarterback. Let me draft Bryce Young. All right, that's one way to do it. But what if that pick gets you Dak Prescott? What if that pick gets you, um, you know, a, a, a veteran plus uh, another pick in the future and a 24 first or whatever? Like you have to think of all these facets because I think, sitting there at your spot, drafting a quarterback in a rookie draft is probably one of the least optimal ways to quote unquote address quarterback in your premium format leagues. I a hundred percent agree. Uh, don't worry about the, you know, driving the new car off the lot, just trade the car for some, <laughs> somebody that's already had that, their sticker tag. Uh, you know, it's not a lemon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get to choose yeah. which pro quarterback that's already in the NFL. Uh, I do that a lot now, and it's a good pivot. And you may even get something on top if it's like the 102 or the 103. And you got the choice between C.J. Stroud at 102, or you can trade for XYZ Pro Plus, maybe like the, 20, the 202 or, a, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, you get something on top. That's just cream. Katie, this is our this is the last show before Christmas. 
And uh, Katie, uh, sorry, uh, Tim and I are actually doing a Christmas song draft uh, this week. So what stands out? It could be traditional. It could be a modern remake of a song. What kind of stands out uh, for you on the Christmas radio, Christmas album and song perspective of what kind of gets you in the mood, you know, in terms of uh, feeling the Christmas spirit, a song that maybe you play on your own, you've got it on your own playlist, or you'll always stop and take a mental note uh, whether if it's playing in your uh, exterior surroundings. My 101 of Christmas songs, it's very sentimental. I'll be home for Christmas. Nice. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I was making my list and we're not drafting that many, but I was like, I kept coming up on more and more of them where I was like, oh, well, this is a good one. Now this is a good, like I was yep. like, I, th- I first thought I'll have three, three to five that are just really easy. But then like the more you listen, you realize there's dozens of songs that you like and you hear them every year. And you know, how do you parse those out? I will say this, a lot of these new arrangements, give me the classics, give me the ones that were recorded in the forties, fifties and sixties. And yeah. they, they definitely travel the course of time. Absolutely. I think they were saying that that uh, the original song, like from the 90s to now, the ones that have been original written songs from that time period, not a remake, that uh, it really was that Mariah Carey, um, it was the lead of her, you know, the Christmas, the stereotypical mid-90s Christmas album, that that was really the start of modern, you know, writing your own original Christmas songs. But... Uh, most of them are remakes at this point in time. All right. Uh, thanks for weighing in, Katie. Um, I'll have, I, that one is on my list, and we'll see if uh, if I or uh, Tim takes it this week. <laughs> um, all right. want to shout out to the uh, one of the last updates here for the UTH Best Ball Contest over at My Fantasy League. Terrence McCarthy taking it down. It was highly contested at the top of the board down to the, the last few minutes of Monday Night Football. But Terrence taken down uh, with Patrick Mahomes going for almost 40 points. You got Dawson Knox uh, scoring. Darren Waller back in his lineup. So hopefully Terrence can get uh, some good starts out of Darren Waller here to close the season. Also had Tony Pollard, who's been hot of late. Jerick McKinnon talked about a hot running back for the last couple of weeks, putting up over 30 points each week there. Uh, also in Terrence's optimized lineup and uh, looking for the overall standings here. Uh, Terrence McCarthy moving up, of course, with that number one overall finish. But Mikey, Max and Joe still in the top three. We're running out of time uh, for the UTH uh, alumni here and uh, experts to catch them. But Katie, you are in the top spot of the four of us. Jordan is just behind you. And uh, congrats to everyone uh, atop the board and still pushing for a potential title. So everyone's coming after you, Mike. And uh, bad news is we only have a few weeks to do it. All right, uh, Katie, if you want to follow her between episodes, you can find her on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. You heard her talking about the 23 NFL draft. Of course, she's in plenty of Debbie leagues and going to be thinking about rookie draft time when we get there uh, fully in a few weeks. And that's all we got is uh, getting ready for drafts and trading and uh, all the mechanisms of the off seasons. You can find her between episodes there. I am at Chad Parsons NFL reminder about UTHDynasty.com. If you want to get a ton of premium podcasts, I'm already rolling over the rankings to 2023 and beyond uh, as not a lot of trading is happening in dynasty playoff land. So look for that over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, tight end is largely done. Wide receivers in the works, and we're going to keep grinding through there, as well as the UTH Trade Calculator articles and uh, podcasts. Everything to get you started for the off-season mode coming up shortly. I'm Chad Parsons. She is Katie Flower. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those categories.